In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Um, today, in the Orthodox Church all around the world, we uh, finally enter into the interchange of the Lenten Triodian. So a few weeks ago, I said Zacchaeus Sunday was the first signpost that Lent was coming. And now today we've actually like taken the interchange. And in a few weeks, on March 17th, we'll have Forgiveness Sunday. And then we will be on the interstate of Great Lent on the way to Pascha. Um, so the homily today will have two parts. The first part is a little explanation and show and tell. And then the second part is about the gospel. First, why do we call this season the Lenten Triodian, the season of the Triodian, both pre-Lent and all through Lent? The reason is because the hymns for this season come from a book called the Lenten Triodian. Okay? Um, why Lent? Because the word Lent means springtime and renewal. So the season of Great Lent, the Great Fast, is our preparation for Pascha. It comes during the season of spring. Um, unless you're south of the equator, then it's all very different. Um, but it's a season of spiritual renewal. Spiritual renewal. Okay? Why is it called the Triodian? Because... Because during the week, the services uh, during Orthros, in the middle of the week, during Lent, this is very specific, during Lent, uh, the canon only uses three odes. Three odes. Triodian. There's a three-ode canon sung during Orthros, in the middle of the week, during Great Lent. So this big book that I have here is the Lenten Triodian, and it has the hymns, all the variable hymns and materials that we use on the weekends and during the first week of Lent and um, during Holy Week. This book, the small one, is the Lenten Triodian Supplement, and it has all the variable hymns for midweek services, especially the ones that are done mostly in monasteries. The daily orthros, uh, if there's a daily vespers, um, the daily hours, uh, stuff that we do less of in parish practice. Um, so all of these hymns, it's all here in these books. And the books are called the Lenten Triodian and its supplement. And we are now in the Triodian season. Uh, once we hit Holy Saturday, uh, the church shifts gears and goes into this book of the Pentecostarian, which is the book of Pentecost. And that season runs from Holy Saturday and Pascha all the way through to uh, the Sunday after Pentecost. So, um, so these seasons are named after the books, and the books are named after the seasons, okay? So that's a little bit about what, what's going on. If you want to know uh, a little, every Sunday from here until Pascha has a theme, a specific theme that relates to Lent, and there are calendars in the back, on the table by the back door, that says our journey to Pascha, and it has a small explanation for every Sunday. So, 
Today is the official first Sunday of the Triodian, and the gospel reading that we hear every year on this Sunday is the gospel, uh, the story of the Pharisee and the publican. Uh, Christ says that there was a man who went up to pray in the temple. He was a Pharisee, so he's a religious leader. He's a very religious man. Okay, But just in a similar way, where in this country we often hear people are spiritual but not religious, in this case, this man is religious but not actually spiritual. He's fulfilling all the external parts of the law, but he's really missing the point of the law, which is mercy and love and sacrifice. Um, So he goes to pray, and St. Luke says he prays thus with himself. Thus with himself. He says, Lord, I thank you I'm not like other people. He's like, hey, Lord, here I am. (laughs) I'm here. Your gift to the world. I'm here for you. You can enjoy my company. It's basically what he says. And he says, I think I'm not like that tax collector over there. Now remember what I said about Zacchaeus. The tax collectors are bad dudes. If you hang out with them in public, you're unclean. You're ritualistically unclean. You have to go through the washing as if you touched a dead animal. Okay? The tax collectors are bad dudes. Uh, Nevertheless, the tax collector comes into the temple, comes into the temple, stands in the very back with his head down and he's just beating his chest saying Lord have mercy on me a sinner and we have it in the icon here you can see the publican and the Pharisee go in and and you have one praying like this like aren't I so great and then the other one with his head down bearing his shame and then they leave and one is justified and the other is not so why do, we hear this, why do we hear this story in this gospel reading every year on this Sunday? Because it really sets the tone for all of Lent. If you've ever come to any Lenten service, you know that we say, Lord, have mercy on me over and over and over again. And during the first week of Lent, we pray a series of canons called the Great Canon of St. Andrew of Crete, composed in the 800s or so. And, um, and we do prostrations. And if you do the full canon, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you do all the prostrations it calls for, you'll be doing over 200 prostrations, possibly more. And in the old days in the church, they would do three prostrations for every Lord have mercy. So you triple that, right? We call it the Orthodox calisthenics in the first week of Lent. But why do we do that over and over and over again? Because we don't get it the first time. We don't get it. It takes a few hundred thousand times for us to say, Lord have mercy, before it finally sinks in, that we really stink at life. And we're really wretched and awful. Because most of the time, when we come to pray, we might acknowledge, yeah, I really messed it up, but I'm really not that bad. It's not as bad as you might think. Actually, Whatever you're struggling with is probably worse than you think. And that's the humility of the publican. I love this because the publican shows up and he makes no excuses. 
Christ could have said he showed up in the back of the temple and said, well, I really blew it, Lord. Like, no excuse. And all he says is, have mercy on me. What else is there to say when you have no excuses? I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Have mercy on me. So there's a pastor, two pastors were once talking. And one tells the other, everybody in my church contributes freely. And his friend said, well, it sounds like you have a wonderful church. And the first guy says, not quite. Some contribute their time and money, and others contribute their criticism. The gospel lesson today tells us about two people who approach prayer very differently. And one criticizes himself, the publican, the tax collector, and the other criticizes other people, the Pharisee. There is a saving quality of criticism when it's applied to ourselves. But when it's applied to other people, we are the ones who are condemned. The trouble with most of us is that we would rather be ruined with praise than saved by criticism of ourselves, just as the Pharisee praised himself and criticized the publican. Have you ever noticed how much of a double standard we live with? We want everybody to give us the benefit of the doubt, and we give nobody the benefit of the doubt. When somebody cuts us off in traffic, they're a jerk. But when we do it, it's because we're important. Thomas Kempis wrote, um, Study always to be patient in bearing other men's defects. For you have many in yourself that others suffer from you. Always be patient in bearing others' defects because you have many in yourself that people suffer from you. Do you know what a difference it would make in our lives if we would begin judging ourselves rather than begin by judging others? Do you know what would happen if we could repent first without waiting for others to repent? If we would ask forgiveness first without waiting for someone else to apologize? Or if we would take the blame instead of casting it on others? If we would seek our own faults out rather than blame others? How different would the world be? How different would our homes be? How different would this church be? How awesome would it be to come into a community of believers where everybody truly believes that they are broken in the first of sinners and they are just so thankful to have company in the journey to the kingdom of heaven as we all try to heal. How wonderful would that be? How nice would it be instead of saying, that's not good enough, to say, well, thank God that this is what we have so far. Now let's do better. We criticize ourselves so that we can get better. So that we can grow closer to Christ. So that we will not repeat the same mistakes. 
Unfortunately, too many times people think that they are being helpful to others and really all they're being is just downright mean and critical. I'm just trying to help. Like, actually, you're not. How about a little encouragement? That'll help. If we, criti if we have to criticize, let's criticize ourselves first. And if we have to fight, let's fight against our own sins and weaknesses first. And if we have to destroy, let's destroy our own prejudices first. And if we condemn, let's condemn ourselves first and get rid of the pride and arrogance. We need to give others a helping hand and we probably need to help ask others to slap us on the head every once in a while. True humility is not just beating ourselves up and falling into despair. True humility is acknowledging the reality of our sinfulness and then trying to do something about it. That's humility. True humility is bearing shame. And true love is bearing with one another. St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, this is the love chapter. He says, love is patient and love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking. It takes no pleasure in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Love is patient and kind and not rude and not proud. Brothers and sisters, we all want to be loving. We all want to receive mercy, but we have to give it in order to receive it. Everybody is having a hard time. Everybody is having a hard time. And everybody will slip and fall. We have to be patient with others. It's okay to acknowledge like, hey, that really hurt me. That's not okay for you to do that. But I love you and forgive you. And when we really mess up, we need to say, I'm sorry, I blew it, and stop making excuses. As David says in the Psalms, we make excuse with excuses and sins. St. Ephraim the Syrian, in his Lenten prayer that we will say, both corporately and privately during the season of Lent, the final stanza of this prayer, St. Ephraim says, Help me to see my own sins and not to judge my brother. Help me to see my own sins and not to judge my brother. That's what this gospel is about. That's what Lent is about. We need to turn the camera around so it's focused on ourselves. Rather than being focused on others. Oh, if only so-and-so would treat me better, my life would be better. If only so-and-so would do this or that, everything would be fine and I'd be happy. Well, who cares if you're happy? Make yourself holy and your life will be a lot better. Dive into repentance and the joy will come through the forgiveness that the Lord offers. 
Brothers and sisters, let us focus on repentance. Let us criticize ourselves and encourage others. And during this season before Lent and of Lent, as we go through it, let us take seriously the spiritual struggle we have before us and remember that we are all recovering humans. We are all in this together. Let us encourage each other and inspire one another rather than put each other down and lift ourselves up. Let us draw near to Christ through humility and love and repentance. And in so doing, let us spread the joy and the peace that comes from Christ. To Christ our Savior, the Savior of our souls, be glory, honor, and worship together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is in our